The AAPA conference is coming up May 18th through 22nd in Houston. I'm so sad that I will not be there, but some of my favorite people will be. So I want to make sure that y'all know who to look out for. So if you're heading down to the conference, make sure you go by the Blueprint and Rosh Review table. They're giving away all kinds of stuff stethoscopes, seats in the review course. They're talking about how Rosh Review has joined Blueprint and what that looks like. But definitely go stop by, say hi, get some swag, tell them I said hello, uh, and it'll be a really good time. I'm sure y'all will have an awesome time in Houston. Make sure you go to Torchy's Tacos, my absolute favorite, and spend some time in the exhibit hall exploring we know that I love Rosh Review um, by Blueprint, and they have so many great resources. So whether you're looking for QBanks, pants review courses, now is the time. And usually there's some special stuff, so go check it out. All right, y'all. I'm so excited for today's just FAQ. I love a good Q&A, and this one was a good one with a lot of great topics covered. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club Podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Pre-PA Club podcast. I haven't done an intro in a while. So I'm Savannah. I am a dermatology PA and I'm also the founder of the PA platform, which is a blog that helps people figure out how to get into PA school and how to become PAs and whether they want to do that. So um, thank you so much for joining me. If you are new or if you've listened to every episode, I am so grateful for you. Um, I always just kind of sit at my computer talking to myself, wondering if anyone even listens. But I love it when I get messages from you guys that a certain podcast episode helped you out. Um, I love it when you share on Instagram or in the Facebook group. And then I, I like to reshare those too. But thank you so much. Today is a traditional Q&A. So this is kind of the follow-up to last week's episode where I was talking to a pre-PA club. And if you have a pre-PA club that you need a speaker for, please let me know. I'm happy to Skype in. I actually love doing that. So um, we opened up for questions at the end, and they had some great ones. I mean, we really covered everything from Jerry, personal statement, interviews. So it's a great just overview which I live for. So we will jump to that in just a second. Before we do, I wanted to take a second and thank the sponsors of the podcast, My PA Resource and PA School Prep. So My PA Resource is a personal statement editing service specifically for PAs um, or PA students and they use PAs and you can use the code FUTUREPA for a discount there on any editing service. And then we also have PA School Prep, which is a online course to help get you prepared for PA school. Um, after you've been accepted, it's an overview of anatomy, physiology, and med terms. And you can also use that code future PA there. Those codes also work on the PA platform for both our courses. Um, those are actually at prepaycourses.com, the book, and then for mock interviews, which where we've been really busy with lately. So um, if you have any questions about anything, please always know that you can reach out to me. Um, and I love seeing your comments on the podcast by leaving a review. And make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. So let's jump into today's episode, and I hope you enjoy it. This is also on YouTube if you want to follow along. Hi, Sam. 
Hi. Uh, my name's Eric. Um, since we're talking about hours, can I ask just the, is there any general rules of thumb for, uh, let's say my case, I was in the Army and I worked as a medic for seven years, uh, two of those years being a flight um, I could try to like divide up all the hours, but is there like a general rule of thumb for full-time experience from one to two? Wait, say the last part again. General like rule of thumb for let's say one year of experience at uh, working full time. Like how many? Hours? Oh, how many hours is it? Yeah, yeah. So, um, in general, one year of full-time work is two thousand hours. So you can kind of split that up. So. A year of working part-time is about a thousand hours, or if you work full-time for half a year, that's about a thousand hours. Um, but that's kind of a, a general amount of hours you could go with. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. That's great experience, by the way. So it depends on the programs you're applying to. That's, that's one of those things that's very program dependent, whether experience counts or how it counts or how it adds up. Um, and so I would go by whatever, like definitely look at the programs you're interested in. If they don't specifically have your experience listed as what they considered on the website, ask them. Um, these programs are very happy to help and answer questions. Um, and they would, I think they would even prefer you ask than apply and not be what they're looking for or have the experience. So um, shoot them in. I, I prefer email for contact because it leaves a paper trail. So if they were to come back and say, oh, that doesn't fit what we require, you say, well, I actually asked and you said it did. And just so you'll have kind of something to fall back on, whether that would do anything or not, because they have the final say, who knows. But um yeah, so I would just double check the websites because there's no, there's just nothing set across the board. Every single program is so different. Uh, I have a question. Yeah. Um, on your presentation, you said that uh, you have like your own book for people that are going to interview. Um, do you have like any like short tips you can give us uh, for people that are going to apply to people that have interviews? For interviews? Oh gosh, I could talk about interviews forever and ever. Um, which Amelia probably knows from my course because that's what I did. Um, but, okay, so the biggest thing, I was just talking about, you know, the biggest mistakes I see in interviews is a lack of confidence. So, which I know you're nervous, like everyone's nervous. You just have to kind of accept that um, and not let that get in the way. The other thing I see is people not giving like thorough complete answers a lot of people stay very superficial with their answers um so just some rule of thumbs like if what you're saying could be looked up on google it's too generic um it needs to be personal you've got to you know show them who you are and if you get to the point of having an interview that's a big deal because at this point in time schools are getting thousands of applications and then they have to take that number down to a couple hundred maybe who get interviews. Usually schools will interview one to four, or not one, two to four people for one spot. Um, so that's a good shot. I mean, you're looking at a 50% chance, 25% chance that you're going to get accepted. And at that point, it's an even playing field where the schools are really just looking to see 
um, if you're a normal person, if you would fit in well with their class, because they do have some things that they tend to look for, um, make sure you like the program. Um, it, it's just a little bit of a hurdle, but if you can get in there and impress them and show them that you're ready for PA school, that's the other thing. Like, keep in mind that you are applying for and interviewing for PA school. You're not applying for a position as a PA. So no matter how much experience you have or shadowing or whatever, like, you've got to assume the role of a student and show that you're going to be able to succeed academically and um, be someone who is receptive to instruction and ready to get in there and learn. Um, and you want that school to be the place that you do that. And so it comes down to just really the confidence is the big thing and then not any major red flags like talking about how you couldn't get into med school or um, not knowing the name of your profession and saying physician's assistant like some people are really really care about that um and so trying to just show yourself but also not not be too nervous um and then every interview type is different too so some of them like the mmis don't give you as much of a chance to show your personal background and it's more about you know being able to show different personality traits and how you interact with patients, how you communicate. Um, so you have to really just be ready for anything and ready to kind of walk in. Like it's a few hours. You just have to go there, do the best you can, and then leave everything you can on the table. Yeah. I have another question, Rita. Uh, it's been a while since I looked at CASPA, but if I'm not mistaken, there's a section that says are you a part of any organizations? Mm -hmm. uh, do you recommend that we sign up for like the AAPA, something that costs like $100 a year or something like that, or is it just indifferent in their eyes? So, so yeah, you can definitely list, like y'all could list your society, which would be great. Um, I think there is value in being involved in either state or national organizations, even at a pre-PA level. Um, and I don't know how y'all state society is, if it's really involved, or can y'all hear me? Okay. Um, or if it is, I don't know, some, some allow pre-PA students, some don't. But um, the way I look at it is if you, let's say you applied and you had the same stats as another person. Um, and so this school is looking at two different people, two different applications, trying to differentiate them, and they see, okay, well, student A is a member of AAPA, they're, you know, supporting this profession. That shows a level of involvement that they hope will continue as a PA student and as a PA where you're supporting your profession as a whole and not just somebody who goes to work and goes home and doesn't ever, you know, this is, this is PA week. So, um, you know, there it's all about, you know, kind of sharing the profession right now. Um, so I think it is, I don't think it's 100% necessary, but I do think it's kind of like that gold star that makes them go, oh, well, this person, like, they're actually invested in this, and um, it's that little, like, extra sprinkle on your application. Thank you. Welcome. I have a question. Yeah. Um, how, what kind of things do you ask at the end of Wait, hold on, it broke like, up a little bit. Try that again. Um, what are what kind of questions should you ask the faculty at the end of your um, interview with the PA school? Because you want to come with something, right? Yeah. 
Well, and okay, so the one thing with that is you've got to feel out the situation um, and, like, feel out your interviewers. You can't necessarily have, like, a set thing you're going to ask because you may just, like, get a weird vibe or it may be, like, short on time. Like, you just kind of have to see how it goes. Um, but there's a few different ways to approach it. So, number one, any questions that you feel like, you really want to know the answer to that aren't already answered online or at a tour or by a student, um, definitely use that opportunity to ask those questions. So whether that's about, you know, life on campus or rotations or advising, whatever you really want information about to make your decision about that program, um, use that opportunity. Beyond that, I think it's most effective and I think interviewers like the most if you ask personal questions. Um, and... So that would be, you know, asking things about, you know, how did you end up working at this school or what specialties have you worked in or what has been your favorite specialty you worked in. One of my favorite techniques, too, is to turn around and answer or a question that they asked you. So if they asked you a question that was unique or interesting, ask them the same one. I did that in my reviews. They asked me, um, if you have any other job besides being a PA, what would you do? And so when they asked me if I had questions for them, they kind of asked that towards the end. And so I asked them that same question. And I think they weren't thrown off by it, but they were like, oh, like no one's asked us that. Like, let me think about it. And so they kind of enjoyed getting to answer something too. Um, and the one thing to also do is avoid questions that seem to show any doubt about the program um you know sometimes people will be like well i want to ask you know what kind of tutoring do you have available or what do you do to make sure students pass pants or what do you do if a student fails a test like you don't want to ask any questions that indicate you're planning on failing um that just doesn't look good on you it doesn't show confidence in the program um, so that's not the place to ask those questions. Ask them anonymous, anonymously online if you really need to, but like not the place in your interview. You want to be as positive and optimistic as possible. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, they're probably going to cover that in, like, their tour or information. And to be perfectly honest, there aren't a lot of resources offered to PA students. Like, it's a grad school-level program. Um, so beyond, like, access to your teachers or advisors, there's not usually much else beyond that. Like, they definitely expect you to be self-sufficient in your learning. Um, and so it would depend on how you could phrase it, but, yeah. I mean, personally, I wouldn't really ask anything like that, um, but, and it would also probably depend on your interviewer, too, and kind of the vibe you get from them. You have a question? What is the specialization process? Hold on, it broke up at the end. Uh, pursuing, a, like, a specialization um, so there really isn't necessarily one that can that's kind of changing a little bit, but 
Um, you don't specialize at all in PA school. If you want to choose something to do your electives in, you can, but that's still not considered, you know, specializing in any way. Um, once you graduate from PA school, you have a couple options. You can go straight to a job, get trained on the job by a supervising physician. Um, there are some now PA residencies and fellowship programs where you can go, you know, specialize, but you don't, it still doesn't mean that you're stuck in one career. So unlike a residency after med school, that's all you can do unless you go to another residency. Um, if you go to a PA school residency for emergency medicine and hate it, you don't even have to work with that residency ever again. Like you can switch to something else. Um, and there's the general boards for PAs, and then there are some specific tests in different areas if you want to, you know, show your knowledge in a certain area. But those, as of right now, aren't required and aren't typically like a job requirement or anything that someone's looking for to hire. Yeah, I'm kind of an open book. Do you have some tips for, like, personal statements while we're on the subject of personal statements? Oh, gosh, yeah, probably go listen to that podcast. I felt like it was time to do a little refresher on those. Um, I have a lot of personal statement pet peeves because I read a lot of them. Um, and I think I talked about it in that episode a little bit. But with your personal statement, I mean, I think, like – the best ones I've read are the ones that don't try to be dramatic or fancy or anything. They just answer the question of why they want to be a PA. So, like, at the end of reading it, I feel like I actually know that person. I'm like, oh, like, I feel like I know you and I understand what brought you to this point and, like, why you want to do this. And, like, I feel good about you becoming a PA. Um, and so it's it is important to use stories and examples, but they have to be relevant. And that's the other thing, like people have this story that they want to use, but it's kind of a reach. And if it doesn't specifically relate to why you want to be a PA, it really doesn't have a place in your personal statement. Um, and so that's something to just take into consideration. And sometimes that means cutting out something that you really like or saving it for your supplemental applications down the road. Um, because those give you a lot more room to expand and put more information in. Um, but yeah, so personal statement, usually I would say start it at least the January before you apply to PA school. Um, that gives you enough time and you can definitely be making notes ahead of time of things you want to put in it. But um, that is one thing that before you get to CASPA, before you get to applications, try to have it ready to go. You don't, I mean, if you're still working or starting your personal statement, it's going to consume a lot of your kind of headspace. Um, and you really want to be able to focus on your application at that point. So it's something that you can work on ahead of time and you will, you could edit it forever and never feel like it's good enough. Um, so eventually you've got to get to that point where you're just ready to submit um, and kind of leave it be. I have a question regarding that, if you don't mind. So, I, there's a bunch of reasons why I want to be a PA. Some are not as romantic as other 
Um, one of the reasons is it's a master's level program that immediately afterwards I can raise a family up. Wait, sorry, I lost you at the last part. Should uh, salary or anything like that be omitted as like a, like a reason why? Um, okay, so my personal opinion is that I don't encourage putting that in your application or your essay um, for a couple reasons. So number one, you have to think about your audience and it's an admissions person who is part of the program and like they really want people who want to do this job, you know, um, and, and we all know the perks of being a PA. Like we know it's flexible. You can switch specialties. Yeah, you get a good salary. Like that's why we're all here, right? Um, but we also want to help people and patients. And so I kind of want to know more about those pivotal moments that got you to this decision than just you're excited about the perks of the career. Um, and then personally, um, while this does like play into most people's decisions, including my own, um, especially like being able to graduate quicker and all of that, I don't think talking about like how it gives you more flexibility at home or anything like that is something that should be in your essay because I think that's a personal choice um, no matter what your career is. So whether you're a PA, a physician, whatever, that's up to you. So like at my old practice before I switched, I worked more than any of the doctors. They all worked less than me. And that was their decision so that they could be home with their family was to do that and have PAs who worked more. Whereas at the practice I'm at now, um, I work the least out of anyone there. And then there's another PA there who works more than the doctor. So um, it's it, it all just kind of varies. But um, I think for your personal statement purposes, the main thing in there as far as your reasons should be like the job itself, like talking about the roles, the responsibilities, the daily, like kind of like, I don't know the word, just what you do on a daily basis, teamwork. Um, that's another pet peeve. If a, if a personal statement never mentions the collaboration with a physician, that raises serious doubts for me that you understand what a PA is. Um, yes, we talk about independence and autonomy, but ultimately like, there is a collaboration, there is a teamwork involved with being a PA, and that's really, really important to show that you understand um, because that is a quick way to let schools know that they need to cut you out of the running is if they feel like you're someone who's going to come in there, be a cowboy, and just not be respectful to the profession as a whole. Awesome. question about GRB. When is a good time to take it? How long should you prepare for it? And what kind of score is the score that a school's looking for? Okay. So the first one, when should you take it? Um, okay. So um, ideally, you know, at least six months before you apply. Because um, I think that gives you enough time to retake it. And you don't want to take it too early because it can expire. Um, but it, it lasts for five years. So... Um, ideally about six months before. As far as studying, don't do what I did. Um, I studied for a week, which was not wise, um, but the time was just what I could make work. So I recommend, you know, I think one to three months, depending on your schedule and how much time you can devote to it, is adequate for studying. Um, 
And it depends a lot. Like, it depends on what kind of test taker you are. Like, I I know that I'm pretty good at standardized tests. Like, I may not be good at a chemistry test, but I, on a standardized test, can typically do well. My husband will tell you he's awful at standardized tests. He's like, I'm so glad you didn't take the MCAT because I think you would have done better than me, even though that one is kind of knowledge. Um, and now schools are doing this, like, PA cat. Don't be freaked out about that if you've heard about it. I don't really know why they're doing that, but it's at interviews right now. Um, but, you know, if you give yourself enough time to really study, the one thing that's really hard to study for quickly is vocab, and that's what I found in my one week of studying. Um, and so I wish that I had, you know, gotten some flashcards, downloaded a vocab app, done something to where I was constantly kind of working on that. Um, and so I would definitely recommend that. There's some podcasts out there, too. Um, the other stuff is a lot more strategy based so you can kind of practice it and get a feel for it um, and then a good score so some schools will have a set score or minimum some will say their averages um, across kind of the board the general expectation is around a 300 combined score so your math and verbal writing doesn't matter um, for the most part and then with that, so and greater than 50 percentile in both of those sections. So you kind of got to look at both of those things. Like if you do really great in one, you're like 90th percentile, but the other one you're like 10, you may want to retake to try to get that 10 up. And the GRE is interesting because it is an area that you can keep working on. You can repeat it and try to do better, and schools are going to look at that highest score. Any other questions? Any from Lisa? Okay, so let me make sure I heard you right. So if it's if your GPA in CASPA is lower than what you thought it was, if you retake classes will it be recalculated the next time okay um, yes so if you um, yes so if you retake classes and you have to reapply you will send in those grades and then your GPAs will be recalculated um, but just keep in mind if you send in new grades while it's in the same cycle um, your GPA will not be recalculated so it would have to be like after the fall, like the fall, a complete new cycle. So not like I'm going to add new programs after I complete this semester. They only calculate your GPA once. And for anyone who's like graduating and applying or anything or finishing a semester, um, that's another reason to wait till like end of May or June because you want those transcripts to be complete. You want those grades to be in by the time you do that. If you do it in April, that whole spring semester won't be included or verified on your application. I hope that answered that. I have uh, one last question. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me about your experience of getting married during PA school? Yeah, so I actually have a whole video on it on YouTube um, if you want to watch like 12 minutes of me talking about it. But um, it is not encouraged, first of all, or wasn't it my program. They told us that from the beginning. Like, they even told us, you know, if your friends and family are getting married, like, go ahead and tell them you won't be there. Um, 
but personally, you know, I, we had to make the decision of what was important to us, and that was to get married during school. You know, it was either, we didn't really have the option to get married before, um, so it was either during or we wait like another year and a half, um, based on kind of when breaks were, so um, we kind of just made it happen. I was living at home the first year, which helped because with planning a wedding, my mom was able to help a lot and really kind of get everything done. Um, and being that we were both in grads, le grad school level, like medical programs, we kind of had this understanding of what each other was going through. Um, so really that first year of school, um, we would only see each other maybe once a week. Like we would try to meet up for lunch or meet in the library to study maybe go to dinner, like, um, it, we went from being in college where we had a lot of classes together to that, which was fine because we both were just busy and studying and had to understand that, um, and so then once we got married, it was a lot better because we were actually around each other and with each other more, and I was on rotation, so my schedule a lot of times wasn't that bad, um, it was kind of like a regular schedule, um, but yeah, plenty of people do it, I mean, I got married right in between didactic and clinical year, and then there were, towards the end of clinical year, we had a couple breaks, and a lot, there were, like, every time we had a break, there were weddings, so, like, that first break, I think there were three weddings, and then, like, the month after school, there were a bunch of weddings, um, and so, I mean, relationships definitely started during PA school, they also ended during PA school, um, but it is definitely possible, just based on your priorities and kind of figuring everything out. And then if you watch my video, you'll hear how they um, changed the schedule on us. And almost, like I just was basically like, y'all told me this was the schedule a year ago and I won't be there for the first week of class because that's what you told me. Um, and so things happen that are stressful during PA school and you have to be really flexible. Um, but yeah, it worked out for me and, and I know a lot of other people have done it too. I think we have time for one last question. Sure. I don't know if you're asking me, but. Yeah, yes. So if you don't get it, so this is. That's especially important, I guess, if you're applying this cycle. But um, number one, reach out to the program. So if you get rejected, if you interview and don't get accepted, um, if you get waitlisted, try to see if you can get some feedback. Some schools will give it to you, some won't. But see if you can find out why you didn't get in. Um, be prepared, though, if they tell you something to do it and fix it and, like, make sure you do that for the next time if you reapply. But a lot of schools do take into account reapplicants, and they want to see improvement. So after you submit, you kind of have to keep working towards things. But um, there's definitely a benefit in that. And there are some schools that even, I feel like, almost challenge you and, like, want people to reapply to, like, show their dedication, which is a little silly. But um, there's definitely, I don't think, let's say you apply, don't get it. I don't think you should just apply to all new places the next time. Like, definitely consider reapplying to the ones you're really interested in um, because they'll be able to see that improvement. Awesome. One last thing. Would you mind getting a picture with us for playing? Oh, we no. Right? That'd be great. Yeah. Awesome. If everybody could just come up to the front and we'll get a quick photo. You have to send it to me.
Yes, we definitely will. <laughs> Now <laughs> follow her on uh, the community platform, uh, forum, and also her uh, podcast. She gives a lot of devices uh, for anyone who is going to apply. Who's going to go for an interview? Um, even if it's a red school, like she gives a lot of do you want to say your Instagram um, and Facebook handle one more time? Oh, it's just the PA platform. So, yeah, you can find me on there pretty easy. But, yeah, thanks awesome. for having me. Thank you so much. Bye. Y'all have a good night. All right, y'all. That's it for today. Thank you for tuning in, and I will see you guys next week. Have a good weekend.